Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome back to the Hashira Half Hour. I'm going to be your host today, and boy, am I pretty thrilled at the prospect. Um, I'm Emily. As always, I'm joined by Hannah and Brian. What's up, everyone? Um, I am now in my sad emo anime character phase because I dyed my hair black, and I am feeling the Giyu vibes of just kind of being existent today. So we're here, though. <laughs> Uh, not sure sure how to follow that one, but hey, what's up? It's uh, your favorite little blue boy, uh, Brian. I'm just vibing today, hoping to talk about our fave um, big umai boy. He is the big umai boy indeed. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. This is truly my moment to shine. This is my favorite character and we don't get a whole lot of one-on-one -on -one time with him. So I am just really excited to jump right in. Today's discussion, of course, is going to focus on Demon Slayer Season 2, Mugen Train arc. I can hardly believe that now we are beginning Season 2. It doesn't seem like that long ago that we started recording for Season 1 with the Hashira Half Hour. So we're really excited to be jumping now into Season 2, and Season 3 is soon to come. So thank you. Um, it's been quite a journey. We're just really grateful that you've come along with us for the ride. So mm -hmm. uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Now, getting into the meat of the episode, because I've got plenty, plenty, plenty to say. Um, when we left you last with the discussion of episode 26, we had our dynamic trio of boys getting ready to onboard the train that we now know is the Mugen train. In this first episode of season two, um, notably named Flame Hashira, Kyojiro, Rengoku, we take a very slight jump backwards in time to allow us to spend some time with this boy. And actually, at first, we see him sitting and enjoying a meal in a ramen shop as he learns about a demon that's on the loose wreaking havoc in this little town. What do you think that this says about him, that he is a Hashira that we know of, there's havoc being wreaked on the town, and he's sitting down eating ramen at a time like this? I mean... What better time to, you know, have a nice bowl of ramen and contemplate your strategy for the evening? I mean, <clears throat> regardless, right, we did see it was during the day, so it's like not like there's super much he can do at that point, right? But he is connecting with locals, trying to get some just basic information about this new demon. And I think it's like, obviously, he would love to just go out and search for it. But uh, being able to, you know, find out like what the common beliefs are about the demon does give you a little bit of context about how you're going to set your fight up. Because of course, like local myths do help with this demon slayer because there's no confirmed, you know, details. I mean, it just furthers my question of when do demon slayers sleep? Because he's sitting there eating at a ramen shop instead of taking a nap. Like, <laughs> I don't think he sleeps. I don't his think he's always sleep. <laughs> yeah, his hmm. sweet boy. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it. I, I want to let Emily have her time here, um, since I get my time all the time. But I, I think that it shows that he just he appreciates the little things. Like we already can see this guy just kind of, you know, he's he's really appreciating a good dinner, a little bit obnoxiously maybe but we love him for it and why not you know so i think that we're starting to see the personality shine through and see that maybe they just enjoy doing life even though their job is so wild i like that it's it's very rare i think that our demon slayers and particularly our hashira get a chance to relax and enjoy something so 
Not that I know that he's relaxed. I don't know. It's hard. He's kind of hard to read at first. We haven't seen a whole lot of him yet. Um, but he certainly is enjoying his food. So, uh, you know, he approaches. He's very, very generous to the local business. We see that he's purchased multiple bowls of food for himself and now one for his fellow demon slayer. And he strikes up a conversation with the owner of the shop asking about how business is. And he gets told that it's not good because people are afraid to be outside after dark because of this killer demon on the loose. And all the shops and the people are suffering for it. And then he learns that in addition to this slasher that's running around, 40 people disappeared recently on board the Mugen train. And so it's been taken out of commission for a short time. This is the same train that we know that we left our boys at last time. What do you think that this might foreshadow for the future? Um, I think I kind of touched on it when we talked about the end of season one. Like, clearly things are about to happen. You know, we were set up very well with the fact that there was definitely a demon on this train, um, maybe a demon that we had seen before. And uh, I, I think it, it's foreshadowing quite the quite the arc, quite the battle to come, you know? I mean, I think we kind of understand that the, in this story, we're going to get a lot of battles and it is shown in after all. So I think that, you know, it's showing that we are about to have a battle possibly with the hardest foe that we have had yet and, you know, be ready for some twists and turns of the trail. I don't know what I'm saying. Of the tracks, right? The, the tracks! tracks might... there wow! You go. <laughs> I dropped that one so bad. That one was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. But yeah, I think it's really looking at like the the big bad of this arc, right? We're seeing that there's clearly something wrong with the train. Like, but obviously trains don't just like eat people, right? There's no like ingestive organs there. So I think it's definitely, you know, showing us what we're going to be, you know, fighting against, but also it's showing us kind of the struggles they're going to go through, right? Like, so far, obviously, we've seen them fight very difficult demons, but also, right, um, to be able to figure out, like, what's actually going on here, because this is more of, like, a thought problem than it is really a demon fight at, uh, from, like, what I'm seeing, because people don't just disappear from trains, right? So you have to figure out here what's actually going on, what's underneath the layers of the onion here. Yeah, it's... It's definitely interesting, I think, to get to see the moments before everything. And like, of course, we we kind of know what happens because we've seen it. This has been out for a minute. But for anyone who hasn't, I think that this episode handles setting up the stakes really well and presenting um, one of the first times that we've really seen a Hashira demonstrate their entire approach to something. Like, you know, we're seeing like his investigation a little bit before. And we know now that the boys are going to be involved as well, which means that not only does Rengoku kind of have to figure out what's going on with this demon and try to take it out as best as he can, but he probably is going to serve as a mentor to these three that we've already seen. And he's going to have to do both at the same time. And we know that these battles are like very fast paced. So I'm excited. It's going to be good to revisit this as somebody who's already seen it or for anybody who's listening that hasn't, you're definitely in for a treat. And I think that, there are a lot of little key details in this episode that set it up really well. So anyway, moving on, Rengoku and his comrade go to investigate. They come upon the train station where another business is suffering from slow foot traffic. A young girl, Fuku, and her grandmother run the bento box stand outside of the train service area. 
If you have already seen Mugen Train, then you know the importance of these bento boxes. And Rengoku is going to be their best customer for the night. So he buys every box that they have, stating that they're going to make great gifts for the rest of the Demon Slayer core. And even though he just came from eating, I think that there's something really sweet in the way that he relishes each meal. What do you think that this gift that he's purchasing to share with the rest of the Demon Slayer core says about his character? Um, I think, I think I maybe sent this to you guys as like a TikTok or something, but someone pointed this out like on the internet somewhere. And it's like, apparently that that's an old tradition of samurai is to enjoy every meal as if it were your last. And so I think it's like, kind of like you touched on before, but like, it's really nice to see the demon slayers and the Hashira, like be able to take their coat off, if you will. Right. Like being able to actually relax and say, this is something that I can like be in the moment with, because of course, right. Like when you're not doing that, you have to be very vigilant in the sense, like you have to be like, monitoring your sense of smell like oh do i smell a demon do i hear one right like it's just a very like intensive job so being able to like at least for five-ish minutes you know be present with something is nice yeah i definitely agree i i think that what we're seeing here is that rengoku is also extremely generous you know he just bought out everything he could see that they were probably struggling a little bit. He probably understands, oh, they're struggling because obviously he knows there's a demon, you know, around there. And so he just chooses to help them out. And he also, while he does that, is helping out his fellow Hashir because he's sending the food to them or, you know, just other core members. So I think we're seeing that, you know, he is not only someone who can just enjoy those little moments and and not take anything for granted, but also wants to share in those moments with his fellow comrades, with the people that he helps. And he's just like, we're getting the sense that he is an all around good guy, just like a good guy. And I really like that. He is our sweet boy. And there's something to be said about sharing a meal with other people. Um, this is like not related to anime at all, but another person that I really enjoy reading and listening listening to them speak is Anthony Bourdain, who is a you know a well-known chef and like travel foodie kind of thing. And when he was alive, something that he spoke about a lot was like everybody needs to eat. Like no matter where you go, like what stretch of a continent or the world, like everybody has to do this same thing. And so you might as well sit down and do it together and enjoy these little things. And no matter what your differences might be, you're going to enjoy this meal together. And I think that it might be a little bit different here, but that Rengoku certainly enjoys sharing any wealth that he does have and sitting down. And like you said, Hannah, like just enjoying those little moments and sharing a meal because how simple, but like how beautiful to be able to do that in peace in a world that's ravaged by demons currently. So it's a nice moment, I think, for him. And it shows what is most important to him. So he takes the bento boxes. <laughs> he makes his way um, on board a train that pulls through the station, trying to head to where the Mugen train is. And um, when the conductor points out the repair station where it's at, he literally jumps off <laughs> for his stop. Um, and he approaches the repair station and the repairman. He is feigning the appearance of a bento box salesman because he conveniently has all of those with him, which is really, really smart. And doing that, he tries to get some information about the train while also using food again to um, 
kind of extract that knowledge from them. Um, as they're explaining what's going on, he notes a faint smell of a demon still lingering on the train. And he's a little bit concerned about that, but he doesn't have long to think about it because at that moment, the slasher demon that we've previously mentioned shows up and is holding one of the rail workers hostage. Again, we come back to the food here. The demon insinuates the smell of human food in these bento boxes is repulsive and he tramples it claiming humans are the things that are umai or tasty unless they're not. And I think that this is a really interesting contrast in the way that the demon and Rengoku approach gratefulness for a meal. Rengoku's reaction to the demon trampling on this takes me back a bit to one that we saw a long time ago. Um, in an early episode of season one, we saw Tanjiro being very careful to not step on the papers of the Suzumi drum demon. How do you think that this reaction from Rengoku is similar? Are they different at all? If they are, what do you think? Listen, I could go on for days about how like Rengoku should be Tanjiro's big brother but um <laughs> I I agree I I think as we've seen in Tanjiro we're seeing this in Rengoku this like just sense of honor I guess you could say like obviously in Tanjiro's situation he was showing honor towards the demon himself and Rengoku's showing the honor to the humans that he met a little while ago about their bento. And I think that's kind of where the difference is. I, I, I still think at this point in time, Tanjiro's the only person in the world that has this empathy and honor towards demons themselves, while Rengoku is, you know, sticking with the normal, like, you repulse me, you're a demon, blah, 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 which he does. Um, but also can just see the kindness and, you know, kind of going along with my previous answers. He just is a generous and an honorable person. So when he sees someone kind of just trampling on someone's hard work, he's, he's upset. And that's the same with, with Tanjiro. He didn't want to trample on someone's hard work. So again, I say, big brother, please. <laughs> yeah. I think with Rengoku, it's kind of that respect for others, right? Like, even though there's, you know, obviously differences between, you know, a demon and a human, right? There's still that, like, recurring theme of, like, being able to, you know, understand that someone is still behind all of those actions and behind that mask, and someone still has feelings at the end of the day. So Rengoku's just, you know, taking the stance for what he believes in, and I think part of it is that, like, that might just be a trope from characters, but also like valuing each meal is like a communal experience and being able to share with others. I think that's just like kind of a way to, you know, demonstrate and express your affection for others and through a behavior like that. So I think it really speaks to, you know, how he communicates and how he approaches being with others and how he respects the food that he's given. So it's definitely an interesting thing, uh, you know, even when the demon himself is like talking about the rail worker and he's like, I think your, you know, blood probably tastes spoiled. And he's like, you know, even disrespecting the human himself, Rengoku still has that calm energy of like, you will not, you know, disrespect my fellow human who is, you know, one of these grateful people. So I think it's really a definitely interesting dynamic between how the two of them behave differently, but also kind of similar. Yeah, it's, it's, a, you're right, it's about respect for the thing that they've put all this work into and tried to share with the world. And 
even though the Suzumi drum demon maybe didn't get to share his art with the world as much, um, there's not something to be said for like the lack of trying and for the respect, even if he wasn't very good at it. And this is interesting because it, because it's reversed a little bit. So in this case, it's like the defense of something that a human's put into the world and worked hard on and spent a lot of time slaving over cooking all those bento boxes and um, just being able to enjoy those small moments. And the demon in this case is trampling on it, which I think speaks again to like the overall arching message of the show is like what what's good and what's bad. In this case, it's pretty straightforward. So just something I thought was interesting and similar. So Rengoku's not too happy about this demon trampling um, on the food and of course taking a hostage. He makes quick work of this demon. He's able to slice off those arms pretty quickly and to rescue um, the rail worker hostage. And the demon is now enraged. He says that he is going to go harm the bento box workers instead of the people at the rail station. He's not gonna bother. So he charges off and Rengoku takes a few moments to administer first aid to the hostage, then he takes off after him. This is one of the first times we get to see his total concentration breathing. And instead of using it to fight in this moment, he's using it to accelerate his speed and his run as he charges after him. We haven't really seen total concentration breathing used too often without our character actively fighting um, or wielding their blades so far. Um, is this what it is to be a Hashira, to be able to employ this total concentration breathing for other strengths? What do you think? Yeah, I think this is something, um, you know, I speculate here, but I definitely think this is something that's like, you have to be able to, you know, apply your tools in different situations, right? Like as a Hashira, you need to be able to think critically and be able to, you know, be able to come up with creative solutions on the fly. I assume you know, this is just my assumption that, you know, Shinobu did something similar in the spider demon arc, you know, trying to come and save Zenitsu from the poison using insect breathing and floating down. So I definitely think that acceleration and using that is just an amazing demonstration of like his intelligence to be like, okay, I need to get there. Zoomy, zoomy, zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was interesting because I think it expands on a lot of things that we've already seen. Um, you know, breathing is the reason our characters can do what they do from fighting to jumping on top of buildings. We've talked a little bit about how they can do these things that are very superhuman, but it's all, it all goes back to breathing. So to kind of answer your question about is, is that what it, what it means to be a Hashira? Yes. Because I, th I think we've seen all of our characters kind of use their breathing to accelerate things outside of just their fighting um, to jump on buildings, to run a bit faster but Rengoku is able to run so fast <laughs> that he, like, turns into the Flash. Like, that's the only way I can really explain it. It's like, oh, I'm watching the Flash now. I didn't realize I switched to the DC universe here. Um, <laughs> and it's an, also an interesting contrast against the Slasher Demon, who probably, this is just one of his blood demon arts. He can do it because he's a demon. And then we see Rengoku able to catch up with him because of the years and years and years of just hardcore training and putting his body through hell and back to get there um, to just show how hard he's worked so that he can match up with a blood demon art in this way. So I thought there were a lot of really cool parallels to it. And I think it just kind of shows just how incredibly strong Rengoku is 
to make us feel like, okay, this battle, like we're safe because we have him here with us. He clearly knows what he's doing. He's clearly trained beyond what we've seen our boys do. And they've trained a lot. They've grown very strong, but they still have got a long way to go. They absolutely do. And I think in that regard, he'll be a good mentor for them. Um, There's something to be said just about experience too, right? Like you can have a lot of grit, but having experience gives you an edge, I think, in times like battle. And we see that he's not really like straining himself yet in any way. Chopping off the arms was easy. That was something he barely had to lift a muscle to do. Now he's focusing, you know, on the actual running and he's employing his total concentration breathing for that. But he hasn't really had to lift a finger too hard quite yet because of the years of training and experience and instinct, I think. So very strong, very capable fighter (laughs) and well-deserving of the title of Hashira already, we can tell. So charging after them, Rengoku does make it in time to save Fuku and her grandmother from this slasher demon. He, again, doesn't really have to lift a finger. He easily decapitates this demon and it's all in a day's work for him. Um, As he's finishing up this very short-lived battle, he goes through a careful practice and tradition of removing blood and resheathing his sword, which is called um, chiburi in Japanese samurai tradition. Seeing this act of tradition reminds Fuku's grandmother of a time earlier in her life where she felt she was saved by the same person, a flame Hashira. Rengoku is honored um, hearing this memory that she speaks about, stating that this must have been his father and that he's so pleased to be able to have saved them in the same way. What do you think of the way he approaches tradition and from, or sorry, the way he approaches tradition from the the sheathing of his sword and this like old um, tradition in a newer world all the way up to following in his father's footsteps? What do you think? Oh, this episode's so good. We're, we're just learning so much about this guy. I love it. Um, and it all just goes along with what we've been saying, because I feel like everything that we learn about Ren Goku during this episode makes sense from what we learned about him five minutes ago. You know, it, it's very well written. Um, and to see that he, like, he had that look in his face when, when Fuku's grandmother was like, you saved us 20 years ago. And you like, I think he's 20 years old. So he knows that it wasn't him. Um, And just to see him be so like honored to be following in his footsteps, I think just shows that he, again, just really appreciates honor and tradition. And even though, you know, maybe some things are not going great with him and his dad, he still wants to slay the demons he still wants to protect people and it's very interesting because he has a slightly different background than a lot of the demon slayers that we've met so him just wanting to continue to do that like he's putting his body through hell when it's just like a family thing like it just the rengokus have been doing this for a long time and my heart fluttered a little bit when he said that he would promise that he would tell his father about them I think it was just such a sweet thing like he was so proud of doing that and he was just thankful that he was able to talk to these people and it was it was such a sweet scene my brain's a little wacky on it because it was just like (laughs) 
Definitely. I think this scene is really great because first off, the animation of flame breathing. I think this is the first time that we get to see it from a sword. Well, I guess for flame breathing. We've seen the Hinokami Kagura, which is a little different, but the flame breathing was pretty nice. Um, also, can we talk about how Rengoku had like a Gojo moment? Like, yo, I'm all. He's like, I told you <laughs> not to get cocky. You're slow. And then he was like, hmm, hmm. <clears throat> And he got him. It was just amazing. But watching the Chibuti, I think there were a lot of small like choices that were made that were really interesting. Like the first thing was like as he unsheathed his sword, hearing the click coming out of the sheath. That was amazing because like he's like, I'm ready to take you. Like I've watched you very carefully. Now it's my turn to strike. And then seeing just like all of these very just like intricate yet very meaningful movements of like coming the sword to my face i'm gonna wipe the sword like this is my tool and i am going to respect it because i have used this so many times to defend what i believe in and i think it really just stands true to how the demon slayers approach each minute of life and i think it honestly is kind of cool because it shows that rengoku has all of these different meanings and all of these small things in his life that give him meaning to continue forward and i think that's what's really cool about him as as like a flame Hashira is that like his fire is like not dying out. He has, you know, a thing to keep him burning in each moment, which is just really cool. Also had like a small freak out moment because I forgot that his dad had saved Fuku before. And so I was like, oh! or Fuku's grandma before. And I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. So that was a cool moment for me too. It's a really well done little flashback um there's a couple other shows that do this very well too but there's something really cool in like seeing the father and the child in like this moment where they both had a time where they were able to shine and save somebody and it meant a lot to that person that they were able to save so love that really really love um the way that it was illustrated and animated as well just to see like the slight transition in like the two very slightly different bodies but the similar Hayori and again the, the similar tradition of the sword and treating it as a very valued extension of their own body so beautiful moment um and I'm really glad that it's one that he got to have you know as we head into what's coming next so good strong beautiful moment as we begin to close out the episode the other demon slayers arrive and rengoku advises them that the mugen train will be returning to service the next day and that the demon that's responsible for the 40 plus missing people is probably not the one that he just killed because he was able to kill it very easily fuku and her grandmother offer him a free bento box in exchange and in thanks for um, saving them once again and he accepts having not had the chance to actually eat one the night before he buys the rest of their inventory again to bring on board the train. He boards, and then we angle back to where we started with our three main boys looking to board the same train that we know that he's on. How do you think that they and Rengoku are going to get along? There's a lot here. Um, first off, okay, let's just backtrack a little bit. How, like, how dripped out are the Hashira that he, first off, like, bought the demon slayer <laughs> yesterday a meal and was like ah let me get another bowl bought him out last night bought him again this morning like all right mr bougie like flame hashira then like he's still gonna <laughs> eat this stuff right 
um knowing how big and like his presence is i know that you know tondro is going to be a little taken back like he's very agreeable to things and he's like very chill with people but also at the same time he know like i know that tondro is going to be like this guy's a little bit much zenitsu is also going to be like it's like two positive ends of a magnet like there's no like attraction there he's like you're too much i'm too much and nosuke of course is going to be like fight me if you dare <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I think they are still going to get along, um, especially Ren Goku and Tanjiro. I think they're very similar and they're both very kind. And they're very generous and, you know, honorable and not saying that Zenitsu and Inosuke aren't. They they just have different qualities. <laughs> um, but Tanjiro, you know, he already knows that he wants to talk to him because of this Hinokami Kagura we kind of talked about at the end of last season. He's trying to figure out what that is. Is it flame breathing? Is it fire breathing? Is it something else? Obviously, Rengoku is going to be the person to talk to about that since he's the flame Hashira. So we at least know that they're going to have a conversation and hopefully we're going to learn more about it. And I think through that, they're going to get along because who doesn't get along with Rengoku and Tanjiro? Like, honestly, like it would, it's, it's impossible to get not get along with them. Um, but it's definitely going to make for some interesting uh, situations when when you have the other two tagging along, for sure. <laughs> Our Motley crew, for sure. Yes. <laughs> and Ren Goku, I think, will probably fit into the idiot parade just as, just as easily. <laughs> I think that's a facade. I think he's actually <laughs> extremely smart. He just looks like there's nothing happening behind those eyes. I, you know something? I think that they all are when it comes down to it, and they actually have to be but they're still men, so. (laughs) (laughs) True. Battle smarts, for sure. (laughs) Nothing else. Uh, That's it. (laughs) Sometimes nothing else behind those eyes. Nothing else in that brain. (laughs) One brain cell shared between the four of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But we love them. We really do. So... That kind of brings the the plot of our episode to a wrap in our discussion. But something that I did want to bring up that's really unique about this episode is that it's entirely a filler episode. Generally, that leaves a really bad connotation in people's brains or in people's minds when it comes to anime, because a lot of filler is not done very well. And it might be fun, but it doesn't really drive the story forward. I think that this episode is so well done that I almost can't imagine the show without it. Um, I think that anybody who has not read the manga would not be aware that this is a filler episode and anyone um, who has read it already is grateful to have the extra character development because it feels right in line with exactly what we would expect of this character. What do you think? Demon Slayer does filler right. Knows how to do it. We get one episode that's filler. It still has gotten action in it. It's got a little bit of emotions in it. We see some backstory in it because we see that, you know, Rengoku's dad was a Hashira. It just covers all of these things and it does it so beautifully. We get to see him fight. So we see his power. We get to see him interact with people. So we see his kindness and generosity and we get to see him save someone. And it is amazing that they fit this all in a 25 minutes. I 
when I rewatched this, I thought this was a 45 minute long episode. And no, it's the first episode of Entertainment District that's like that because we needed more information about the next Tosh that we're going to meet. But <laughs> um, it, when I first watched this, like I hadn't read the manga yet and I had no idea that this was filler, that this was not original to the manga, that this was an anime original episode. And I, unlike many people, got to see it before I watched the Mugen Train arc. And it allowed me to just be fully immersed in his character by the time, like, the actual story started. And is a, a little, it, it's it's done so well. Like, it, it just, it, it makes everything that's to come so much, like, have so much more meaning for me. Because I feel like I truly understand this character now. And just hats off to everyone involved. It's, as always, like thankful for being a fan and thankful that I'm living in a time that Demon Slayer is on our screen. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> if we're going to talk about filler, right. Um, okay. Listen, like at one point while I was watching Naruto, I thought I was also watching one piece cause they were on a ship for like eight <laughs> weeks. Okay. Listen, <laughs> there was no relation to the actual storyline. At least this, if you're going to call it filler, cause to a certain extent, I don't think it's actual filler. I think it's, like, somewhere in that gray area of, like, yeah, it's not directly related to, like, what's going to happen with the Mugen train because we're obviously not on it. However, it does completely give you context for what's going on from Rengoku's perspective. And I think that's still important because... Uh, you know, obviously going into the Mugen Train arc, you know we're going to meet him. He's sitting on the train at the end of the season one. So it's really important that we actually get some of these details. And I think it really does serve a purpose about like setting up the movie itself. Honestly, looking back at it, I do wish this was part of the movie itself because I think it was actually really important to like understand what was going on through like Rengoku's investigation, because once they get on the train, obviously knowing what happens, like we're able to piece more things together. We're able to see like what some of these meanings behind all of Rengoku's actions are and how they're going to, you know, affect our Kamaboko squad. So I definitely think that this was a really well done episode. And I really like a lot of aspects of it for those reasons that they give more meaning to the movie itself completely agree i think admittedly i haven't done a, a ton of research into whether or not the mangaka was involved in this episode but i would not be surprised if they were because it felt like it flowed so beautifully and seamlessly into the rest of the world building that i i agree it's like a murky gray area like because technically as it stands right now it's not necessarily canon from the manga it wasn't in there but I don't think anyone would have known that, you know, even if they were to like reprint something and add another chapter, I don't think anyone who hasn't read it wouldn't know or, or would know that this was not intentional, intentionally part of his character development. And I feel very lucky that, um, you know, even though I was somebody who did see the movie before this episode came out, that knowing the outcome of the movie and how much the fan base really grew to love this character that the fan base was able to bully the studio into making an entire episode um, centered around <laughs> so that we could have that. So eternally grateful and so grateful that it turned out so well and that it was sprinkled with so much meaning and repetition and just really, really well done. They didn't skimp on this. The animation was still beautiful. It's just really well done. So Beautiful episode. Any final thoughts before we transition to our favorite moments? 
I'm just so happy that you're getting your moment. It's finally time. It's finally time for Emily to shine. And it's time. <laughs> rewatching this episode reminded me how much I love Ren Goku as well. It's been a minute since I've watched this episode and oh, made me a little emotional. He's, he's, he's a so good guy. Good. He's a good guy. Such a good boy. I think one final thought is um, just how much Rengoku means to the Demon Slayer fan base. I think he's just such like an amazing character overall. And I think he's very inspirational in a lot of ways. So thanks, Rengoku, for being you, bud. Mm-hmm. Sweet boy. Forever love. All right, friends. On that note, it's time to transition to our favorite moments from this week. I'll go first. I, of course, love most everything about this episode, in case that wasn't clear up to this point. You know, this is my favorite character, and we're so lucky to get some quality time with him in this in this episode. But in particular, I really loved the full circle moment of him coming back to his bento box at the very end and um, the scene that we have known and loved him for. If, if you've seen it before, we know the infamous Umai that we even use as our sign-off tag for this series. Um, Just knowing all the hard work that went into the hours before he was able to actually even sit down and relish another meal. Somebody who's grateful for even the smallest things who again treats every meal like it could be their last. I just really love it. It's just very full circle and it's really nice to see everything that led up to the famous Umai. So that's my favorite. I think I would have to say my favorite moment from this episode is definitely the um, don't get too cocky. Because I feel like, first off, right, like, it shows that how the Hashira work. um, Because, like, looking at, like, when he delivered first aid to that person, that rail worker there, he was still critically thinking about overall how the job's going to get done, right? Like, it's not like he had stopped working. He was like, this is my main priority, and then caught up with him and then was like, I told you not to get cocky and now it's my turn. And I just think that that's like just such an iconic good guy moment of like being able to say, you're too slow. I've watched you. Now it's my turn. And then he's just gone. It was just so perfect watching like him get his comeuppance of like, I've been waiting for this moment. Um, let me ignite. All good things too. Um if I had to pinpoint a favorite moment, because kind of in the same boat as per usual, I feel like I said that in every episode, I loved everything about this episode, but um, the very end scene, like the final scene, since we didn't get an end credits, it, it goes right into, you know, what we usually call a Tai show secret. And first of all, of course, it's like the only time we see Tanjiro in this episode. So like, I like it, of course, but they uh, talk about all the Hashiras and what they think of Ren Goku. And I thought it was just the icing on the cake after such a great episode that built up his character to be so kind and generous and just a good guy to see that all of the Hashira just absolutely love him. Even, you know, it had the little (laughs) boxes for, uh, was it Obanai and Giyu? And they didn't say much. Like They're like, he speaks a lot to me. Love him. (laughs) You know, you just... It's the perfect closing to, okay, we get it. This guy is really good and everyone loves him. And now we can't wait to get into a battle with him and see, you know, more of what he's capable of and more of how 
he's going to handle, you know, having these three boys under him, you know, see what, see what happens and um, just really set us up well. And I just thought it was adorable. We just have so many great moments in this episode. It's really hard to pick, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um really well done really grateful for this episode again and i think that that probably about does it so excited to see where we move forward from here in the rest of the mugen train arc and we're excited to bring you all along with us so thank you again for another great week don't forget to like subscribe comment and do all the things if you leave us a question in the comments on any of those platforms you might get to see us answer it in a future episode we really appreciate you listening in today and we'll see you next time as our boy rengoku would say umai as he says in Spanish, sabroso. <laughs> Umay. <laughs> <laughs>